Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, I'm really happy to welcome back Carolyn Shearlock, who many of you know, um, and she is the brains behind the boat galley. And we'll be talking to Carolyn today on some of her favorite tips for some gadgets for the kitchen, or for the galley, I should say, as well as some storage tips. So before we officially introduce Carolyn, I want to take a minute to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors. They support AGLCA and loopers at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates. Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these sponsors who support the Great Loop. Carolyn Sherlock, thank you so much for joining us again today. <laughs> Hi, it's great to talk to you again. I remember talking to you around Christmas time. And uh, now we're totally at the opposite season of the year. <laughs> exactly. Last time you helped us figure out how to plan a holiday feast aboard. Um, but today, one of our members actually suggested they would love some information on some gadgets for the galley that can help save time or space or address some of the challenges that you might have when you're cooking in the galley. So, um, But for those, let's back up a couple of steps. For those maybe who haven't heard you before or haven't visited theboatgalley.com, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to start the boat galley. Absolutely. Um, my husband and I basically sold everything and took off cruising way back in 2002. We were down um, on a monohull sailboat down in the Sea of Cortez for seven years. Um, some stuff with life happened. We moved back ashore for another seven years. And then in 2014, we bought a second boat, and we are now down in the Florida Keys, uh, basing ourselves out of Marathon, so we see tons of loopers coming through. Love it. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in 2010, in between these two stints, I had started the boat galley because I kept on all the forums and stuff that I was on, people were asking questions about a lot of the same things we'd had questions about starting out. It was like my way of giving back to the community. Since then, uh, it's been eight years. Um, there's 1,200 articles or something, and the boat galley is, has grown to be more than just galley. It's tips about all sorts of things, boating and boat-related and living aboard. And, and I really commend you for the site because it's awesome. <laughs> Lots of great information. And, yes, it does extend way beyond the galley at this point. So I encourage everyone who's listening to check it out. Really a great resource, so thank you for that. Um, let's kind of jump into the topic for today. So um, over time, I'm sure you've, you've experimented with lots of different things in the galley. Tell us about some of the gadgets that you really find to be helpful. Um, and let's start, I saw a recent post, I believe, on the boat galley that gave um, a great little device for helping with the grill. Yes. Um, it's called the Vertigrill, V-E-R-T-I-G-R-I-L-L-E. And what it does is it basically allows you to get about three times as much food onto your grill. I mean, we all love having friends over and grilling out. It's a wonderful way to get together with other boats, but most of us don't really have the big, huge home grills anymore. 
Um, this way, it's a little, it's sort of a platform with, we'll call it vertical skewers. And so you can put your vegetables on there, chicken wings, even um, salmon fillets, things like that, and make much more efficient use of your space and feed a much bigger crowd. Does it change the cooking time at all? Because you're, you've, as you said, and from the pictures, and if you're curious about what we're talking about, go to theboatgalley.com and you can see pictures of the vertigrill. But since it is basically some vertical skewers, with the food not sitting directly on the grate, does it change the cooking time? I find that if I close the lid, the cooking time is not changed considerably because the hot air is still going and circulating around it. If I leave the grill open because I'm doing something that requires that, it does take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Okay. But definitely a great way to maximize that space. Yes. And sometimes that's actually kind of a nice thing because it slows the cooking down a little bit. So if you're trying to, to cook something at a little bit lower temperature, it works out really well. Mm-hmm. And that's a great tip for these hot summer days when you don't want to heat up the galley by cooking some things inside. So great tip. Um, Talk to us about some food wraps that you have found that um, actually can help with keeping things a little fresher. These these are called the ETI food wraps, E-T-E-E. And what they are is they're actually organic cotton that's impregnated with beeswax and some other things. And, You use them basically almost like you do saran wrap or something, except that it's not a single-use plastic. You just wash it off, and you can keep reusing it hundreds of times. Um, I've had mine for close to six months now, and they look and act just like new. Um, The company says they'll last at least a year. I think they're going to be going. I think I'm going to keep them longer than that. But then Mm -hmm. also at the end of that time, they're fully recyclable. Again, instead of just having plastic that's going into the trash stream. Um, and my vegetables that I'm putting in them, wrapping in them, are actually lasting longer. Things like um, a bunch of carrots or my cucumber and so forth, um, because it's allowing a little bit of ex- air exchange and so forth, but not too much, stuff isn't either rotting or getting totally dried out. It, it seems to be providing just a perfect atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So do you, when you say what you would use instead of saran wrap, is it, primarily would you use it to put around another container that, you know, a bowl or something that you've put things into, or can are they kind of standalone wraps that you can just wrap things up into? Both ways. Um, my vegetables and so forth, I just wrap by themselves. I put an onion, a cut onion in one, or I put a uh, cut tomato, carrots, cucumbers, stuff like that. Or if I have a bowl of something, um, like say a salsa that I've made up for happy hour or something, and I just want to cover it while, it, while it's in the refrigerator, I just mm-hmm. can pop it around the bowl then. Mm-hmm. And that's a great idea in so many ways. I love it because on the boat you're saving space from carrying a box of saran wrap or something like that, um, and you're still, you know, you're not having to put things in a um, a bowl if you normally would just wrap them. So that's great. But I also love that it is very um, eco-friendly. So you're not using that disposable wraps, and you can use them again and again and recyclable. Of course, that's great. So another great item. Um, another thing I came across that I thought was really cool and solved a problem I've seen repeatedly um, is the flame tamer you talk about when you're cooking on one of your burners on the uh, in the galley. So let's talk about that one a little bit. Yes, this is one of my favorite things. A lot of times you want to just have a really low simmer or you just want to barely melt something. But the burner on your stove 
um, is actually too hot for it, even on its lowest setting. Um, or if you set it on its lowest setting, if there's any breeze, the flame will blow out, that type of thing. With the flame tamer, and you can buy these on Amazon, um, it, it is basically just sort of an extra layer of um, metal and air in between that flame and your pan. And so it keeps the pan cooler so you can keep that that burner lit at a, at a level that it will stay lit at um, and yet still have just a very gentle heat on what you're doing. Certainly helpful for, for um, those boaters who are transitioning to a boat and a galley and have had a very, um, you know, a higher-end home stove um, where you have a little bit more control over that flame. So that's a great tip, too. Um, can certainly save some frustration. Um, similarly, you talk about some solutions for evening out some hot spots that you might have in your galley oven. Yes. One of the, one of the problems with galley ovens, and it's a little bit more with older ones than with the newer ones, but some of the newer ones still have a problem. There's two things. The, the oven is small, so you don't have a, a big mass of hot air in there. So every time you open the door, all of that pops out. So you get cold air in, and then exactly where the burner is, is one little spot of heat. So you get one part of your pan of brownies, say, that gets burnt, while the rest of the pan is perhaps still raw. Um, using a baking stone, which is basically a, a, it's the same thing as a pizza stone, except it's just a rectangle, um, will even that out because the stone will heat much more evenly, transfer the heat out and around. And also every time you open the door, cold air still comes in, but because you've got that big heat mass in the stone, the air heats right back up. Um, this is, as far as I am concerned, one of the biggest things that you can do for making your galley oven a lot more friendly for baking. Um, they typically cost about $50, depending on exactly what size you get. And it's one of the best $50 you can spend for your galley. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that so many of these things that you've come across over the years and that you've learned can really solve some of those issues. Most of them I, I were designed for use in a home kitchen, but adapt so well to the galley, um, which I love about them. But I think another one of those things that people might not realize is so helpful on a boat, but a thermal cooker is on your list. Tell us why that's one of your kind of top things that you want to have for cooking aboard. Absolutely. got one of these about a year and a half ago, and it has totally changed my life. What a thermal cooker <laughs> is, is it's like, a, it's like a giant thermos that will hold a gallon, gallon and a half of, of, of food. Um, but inside it also is a removable stainless steel pan. So you start your cooking on the stove, something like, say, chili, pot roast, spaghetti sauce, anything like that that is, that is cooked in a, in a liquid base. You start it cooking there, get it up to a good, full rolling boil. I typically boil it for five to ten minutes. And then you put it into this thermos container, put the lid on, and you set it aside for anywhere four to eight hours. It continues to cook, and at the end of the day, you've got a hot meal ready and waiting. I love it because I can start my cooking whenever I want. And so if I'm going off to happy hour or something, I can even do it at like four in the afternoon, cook it a little bit more thoroughly, not just at five to 10 minutes, but maybe cook it a half an hour on the stove and then pop it in there. And then when I come home from happy hour, I don't have to bother with cooking. I just mm-hmm. open it up and we have dinner. 
Um, same, you know, when we're doing a day in town, when we're going for a hike, going snorkeling, anything that we're off doing for fun, I can cook when it's convenient for me instead of immediately before I want to eat. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a good um, alternative to a traditional slow cooker. Exactly. It's it, That's exactly what it is. It's the cruiser mm-hmm. slow cooker. And mm-hmm. along with that, of course, it uses it doesn't use electrical energy, and you use far less, if you're on propane or whatever your cooking fuel is, uses far less of that, too. Mm-hmm. How big is it? Because slow cookers can take up a lot of space aboard, but you, of course, want it to be a reasonable size so you can fit enough food in there. So how big is the thermal cooker that you have? Mine is probably just very slightly larger than a typical slow cooker. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gives people a pretty good idea. Um, I find, to me, it's worth every bit of the space that it, that it takes up uh, because of it, but I realize some people may think it's not for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it does sound like a, a convenience, and I'm sure there's lots of things that you can prepare in there, basically, and as you said, go off and do something else and come back later, and your meal is prepared. So that's always, a, I find that always to be a plus on the boat. It's- um, and it's also yeah. great for taking food to a potluck or something because it's a, it is a great way to get it there hot. And because you can leave it right in that thermos on the bottom, only the top part of it is getting exposed to you know room temperature air and cooling it off. So your food is still hot when everybody's eating. That that's a great thought um, because when you were describing it I didn't think about that but so many times I've gone to take a a slow cooker somewhere to a potluck or whatever it may be and um, you don't really there's not likely to be a place to plug that in so you're just kind of left to the elements how warm it is when everyone's ready to eat so that's a great point too I think I might need one of those for home as well as the boat (laughs) oh yeah So, and, and we did kind of touch on the fact that galleys are typically a little bit more limited in space than what you may have dealt with if you had a, a land-based house before that. So there's lots of utensils out there that might be multi-purpose or that you might be able to use instead of a larger item. So walk us through some of those things that, that you like to use as safe space, uh, space savers. Yeah, one of the first ones that I really like, since for a lot of boats, boats combination of space and also electrical usage. You know, it depends on if you're at a, at a marina or if you're out anchored. But if you're out anchored, a lot of people don't want to run the gen set just to make toast in the morning. And there's a company called GSI that makes camping gear. And they make a wonderful fold-flat toaster that you can just use with a burner on your stove. And I have found this to be by far the best camping toaster I've ever used. Um, the complaint with so many of them is that your toast either ends up not done or burnt. This actually works. You get great toast, it's easy, and it's simple to clean. Um, the sec- second thing as far as a, a real space saver, I like using a whisk a lot in the galley, um, but they take up a lot of room in a drawer. A company called Joseph Joseph makes a twist whisk. It's a tongue twister. Um, <laughs> but anyway, if you twist the handle and all the blades of it will go flat, and then you twist it the other way when you want to use it, and it becomes the normal whisk shape. Um, takes up you know, no more space than, say, a spatula in your drawer, and yet gives you a fully functional whisk, and it all comes apart for cleaning, which also makes it great when you're washing everything by hand. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Um, the, third, the third thing that I'd like to mention is called a Danish dough whisk. And this does not look anything like a whisk that you have ever seen before in your life. 
Um, you can find them on Amazon. Um, and it's just, it's a heavy wire that's sort of in a, in a curlicue shape. Um, and it is wonderful for basically any sort of hand mixing that you do, whether you're making bread, making cake, making brownies, cookies. It is designed for mixing heavier doughs. Does a great, great job. Again, it's easy to clean, takes up almost no space in your drawer, and it, it's easier on your hand than using, say, a heavy-duty spoon. Um, one of my readers told me about it, and it has become one of my favorite things that I've ever bought. Um, so, other, so does that replace the need for a mixer on board? I mean, do you, do you have a mixer on board, too, and just use the Danish dough whisk more often, or are you able to do without a mixer then? Yeah, I totally do without a mixer. And the in- interesting thing was when I moved back on land between our two stints on the boat, I actually ended up giving my mixer away because I had discovered the Danish dough whisk. I never mm-hmm. used my mixer. Great. Good to know. And you had w- one more utensil for us. I use silicone trivets all the time. I mean, they are great for, obviously, normal trivet purposes of protecting your, your counters and tables and things like that. But the nice thing is when you're not using them for hot pans, you can slide them between basically any, any of your kitchen stuff, any of your galley stuff that happens to be clanking, whether you've got glasses, mugs, um, pans, anything like that. They are sound deadeners. Um, they're also very lightweight, so you're not adding a lot to the boat. Like if you had heavy ceramic tiles, they don't break. Um, they're just they're a perfect little boat thing. And I also have a couple of little silicone um, coasters. Um, officially, they're coasters. Yes, I do use them occasionally for something like that. But I use them as small little trivets for things. And also sometimes just when I need a small little pot holder to grab something, um, mm-hmm. They're a great size for that and really flexible. Well, and, and great that the silicone is, is multi-purpose for all those things you mentioned, but especially for the sound deadening, because there's lots of little creative solutions yeah. to all those things that clank in the galley when you're underway, um, but that's a great one. So we appreciate that. Let's take a, a quick moment and have a, a message from one of our sponsors play. Um, when we come back, we'll shift the discussion a little bit more onto some of your best storage tips. So we will be back in a moment. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by Skipper Bob Guides? Its mile-by-mile format is a great planning tool and essential at the helm. On the most popular routes and side trips, Skipper Bob covers preparation, navigation, bridges and locks, and the best places to visit. Skipper Bob Guides are updated each year, and its website keeps you current with navigation alerts and cruising news. To check it out, go to skipperbob.net. Skipper Bob is a proud Admiral Sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. Our guest today is Carolyn Shearlock of the Boat Galley, and we are talking about now some of the storage tips that Carolyn's got for us after many years of living aboard. Um, Carolyn, one of the things that is hardest for most people to adjust to is having such a small fridge. Of all the looper boats I've climbed on, which is probably hundreds over the year, I think I've seen two that had um, a regular house-sized fridge. Most of us aren't that lucky. So tell us a little bit about some of some tips for dealing with that small fridge size. Yes, I know all about that, having one of those tiny little refrigerators. It's actually far refrigerator. Um, a couple of things. First of all, most Americans store things in the refrigerator that basically nobody else in the world does. And 
once we sort of get past that mindset and realize we can take a lot of stuff out, then there is room for all the stuff that we do want. The number one thing that really doesn't need to be in the refrigerator are most of our condiments, your ketchup, your mustard, your A1 sauce, your soy sauce. Um, all of that doesn't need to be in there. Um, there's a little bit of controversy about whether you should put mayonnaise in or not. Um, I don't. I use a squeeze bottle that never touches anything, so there's never any contamination. But I understand that the FDA says absolutely that's a horrible idea. Um, so it's kind of your own choice if you decide to do that. I'm not going to tell everybody else to do it. Um, but you can get an awful lot of stuff out of the refrigerator that way. The second one is most fruit and vegetables do really well without refrigeration, particularly for a week or less. Um, there's not a lot of that that really has to be in there. Um, lettuce for salads definitely does better. Things like cut tomatoes, cut onions, yes, they do better in the refrigerator. But if you can take your big stores of all of that out, um, you get a lot more room for putting your meat in your cold drinks. Um, because believe me, at this time of year, we want cold drinks in the refrigerator. Um, That's right. Just water during the day, iced tea, um, and then, you know, if you want your beer uh, mixers, things like that for later. But um, things like, you know, take oranges and you can, if you wrap them up in aluminum foil, they will last a month or longer out of the, um, wrap them individually, but they'll last a month or longer out of the refrigerator, any citrus. Um I've learned that mushrooms, I simply leave them in the package they came from from the store. I leave them out, and they typically will last longer not being refrigerated. They don't get that nasty, slimy stuff that can happen when they get too moist in the refrigerator. If anything, they'll dry a little bit, but they're still perfectly good in recipes, salads. In salads, they'll just absorb some of the dressing. They're great. Mm -hmm. Um, Tomatoes. Tomatoes, we all know, do actually better out of the refrigerator. Um, Zucchini will do perfectly well. Um, Asparagus and green onions. Stand them upright in a cup of water, just like like you've got flowers growing. Same thing for any fresh herbs. Just treat them like they were flowers, and they will last um, anywhere from three to seven days, depending on exactly how hot it is outside. Um, And I don't really mean... Make, mean to be making a big plug here, but I do, about a year ago, I wrote a book that's called The Boat Galley Guide to Storing Food Without Refrigeration, and it's actually 120-some pages of information about how to store food without refrigeration, and while some people don't have a refrigerator at all on their boat, it's also really geared to people who want to use their refrigerator space much more wisely um, so that they can get in the things that really have to be refrigerated and can store a lot of their other food out in other lockers, bins, things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly good information if you're you're trying to adjust to that smaller size fridge. So, you know, we talked about fruits and veggies not having to be in the refrigerator. What other um, storage tips do you have that can help with keeping things fresh? The Probably the number one thing that I can say from from learning all these years, and particularly in all these humid environments, because boats are on the water, it's humid. Airflow is just one of the major considerations for 
most of the things, whether we're talking food, our clothing, even the tools that we have aboard the boat for them not rusting, um, the more we can keep air being able to get to things and circulate. Um, Consequently, I really like um, containers that have, we'll say, holes in the side, whether they're whether it's things like a wicker basket or something that simply comes with air holes type of thing. Um, the, the airflow is big. And also not putting things necessarily in totally sealed up lockers. Um, on our previous boat, we had a lot of lockers that had either louvers or um, a wicker front on them. And those types of things do wonders for keeping the air moving um, into these storage spaces. Um, now, there are obviously some things like your sugar and flour, spices and so forth that don't do well getting airflow over them because of that humidity. We don't want them to be out there. And for those, um, the gasketed, I'll call them Tupperware, but they're not really Tupperware, the gasketed containers like that, the plastic storage containers, um, Lock and Lock makes some really good ones, Rubbermaid makes some good ones, Sterilite has some nice ones that have um, the rubber ring inside, and then you actually snap down the the flaps on the outside to make it a real positive connection, do exceedingly well for keeping the humidity out of out of anything. Um, if you can add a package of desiccant in there, it'll do even better. Um, next one on that whole humidity, and now we're in summer and it's the mold mildew season, I've discovered this wonderful spray called Concrobium. Um, you can buy it um, in most home um, improvement stores, such as Home Depot, Lowe's, that kind of place, big box stores, um, also on Amazon. And you spray it, and you, you don't wipe it off. You let it dry. It is that action of having it on there dry. Um, it does a wonderful job for not letting mold and mildew grow on fabrics and your fiberglass inside, even your wood inside. Um, we use it on our life jackets all the time, too, because, as you know, those things just get wild. And if mm-hmm. you're um, in open water where you're having to wear them, um, you know, because you've got some rough conditions, um, putting something on that doesn't stink is really, really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I hadn't heard about concrobium before. Can you put it on anything that's prone to getting mildew? Just about, yes. I've used it. Um, I don't really, I don't necessarily throw it actually. I don't really spray my clothing, but um, mm-hmm. I've sprayed our mattress and then, you know, the sheets are over the mattress. Um, mm-hmm. We've got um, fabric uh, wall coverings. I've used it on that. We've got a lot of teak inside. I've used it on that. Um, mm-hmm. I've used it on our fake leather. It works well on that. Um Basically, you're not going to put it on cardboard or that kind of thing. But right. almost anything it works works on, yeah. What about, like, the boat canvas? Because I know there's always mold, mold and mildew on that here in, in uh, South yes, Carolina because yes. it's so humid. Yeah, that's a great yes, idea. We have, have to been check using that out. it on that. Yeah, we've been using it on that. It works well. Yeah, good to know. Um, you have uh, some thoughts about dryer sheets, too, because I know a lot of people use that to try and control some of the dampness. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the things because I know a lot of people do toss dryer sheets in with things to keep the mildew smell off, that little stale smell and things like that. And what we've learned is that it can really stain 
clothing when it sits in there for any length of time and particularly with the humidity, um, especially if you're going to be doing something like leaving your boat for anywhere from a few weeks to a few months. Um, I know a lot of people you know, do the loop in sections depending on the time of year and stuff like that or you know, go off and visit kids, grandkids. Um, when you're doing that, putting your clothing and so forth into um, vacuum packages is great, but don't toss the um, dryer sheet in there thinking that it's going to make everything smell nice and whatnot because it does end up with some stains on things. Well, and you probably just saved lots of people's clothing, so thank you for that as well. We don't have <laughs> yeah, too much time left. This, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have too much time left, but I do want to touch briefly, if we can, on some of your suggestions for keeping things organized, because that's so important in a smaller space is to just try and add some organization to everything. So what are some of the, the best things you can recommend there? One of the best things that I like is, again, the bins that I was talking about before. Um, a company called Sterilite makes some really nice bins that have, have solid bottoms and yet they have holes on the sides. That way, you know, if you've got anything that makes a mess, like, like a jar that breaks of food or something, we all hate to admit it, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. There's enough solid on the bottom that it contains the mess. But you've got the airflow up through the, through the rest of it. And I find bins are just one of the best things in the world. Um, I also use some bins with lids where I want to stack something. And I've had now some of these stackable drawer units where it makes it easy to stack something and be, but be able, still be able to pull and access all those drawers to get what's in. Mm-hmm. Um, love all of those. We've also done some recently on this boat. This boat had a lot of hanging locker space. And we really don't have hanging clothes um, on the boat. So we took two of those and we actually just put shelves in them and made it into much more usable space for us. And the final one is that we use a lot of shock cord retainers. You can um, buy shock cord already made up with loops, hooks on both ends, or we use little um, hog rings and hog ring pliers to put loops on the end and then just hook cup hooks into something and then we've got a hook but for things like um, on a bookshelf so things don't go flying um, I've got a bunch of actually open shelves in the galley with canisters and so forth on them by having that up you know four or five inches from the bottom it means things don't tip out when we're underway. Great information and we've really just scratched the surface here. Um, As you can see, Carolyn is a wealth of information. We've talked about the Boat Galley website, um, theboatgalley.com. What other ways can people find out more about you and and the kind of information that you provide? Absolutely. Um, First of all, um, just started last winter an independent podcast. These folks are listening to podcasts. It's the Boat Galley podcast. Just find it in your podcast app. Um, there's obviously the Boat Galley website. We also have a um, big presence on Facebook, um, very active Facebook page, um, Pinterest, uh, and the um, Boat Galley Cookbook, um, which is over 800 boat-friendly recipes and a lot of information, tips for cooking on boat. Um, that's in print and e- ebook, Kindle, and so forth on Amazon. And thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. I, I love having you on because it's just such such good, useful information. Um, 
So we appreciate it. And definitely um, to our listeners, check out theboatgalley.com and, and check out their social media too, because lots of good information. And of course the podcast, um, we are just for our members out there. We are opening registration for the fall rendezvous on uh, July 16th. That's Monday, July 16th at noon. We expect this to be a very fast sellout. Um, it's four days of seminars, meals, and camaraderie. So if you enjoy the podcast, a lot of our podcast guests or speakers at these events, all the details are on the greatloop.org website, and we hope to see many of you there. Once again, Carolyn Sherlock, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time. And to our listeners, we appreciate your time as well. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe. Mm-hmm.